Don't feel offended if I don't look at the screen because I'm going to be reading. That's all. Oh, I'm totally offended right now already, man. I know. Sorry, man. How dare you start off that way? <laughs> I know. I know. Come on, Jake. It's only your life. Where are you going, me? About 90 feet. Are you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Welcome, everyone, to this jazzy edition of the Brackish Podcast. We are your hosts, Knock, Lynn, and Cliff. And we have a special guest in the house with us today. Uh, we're going to call him Coach, Coach Biff. Uh, my dad decided to listen during these quarantine times um, just to give him something to do, you know, because we're all just sitting around doing nothing. So Cliff's dad, Coach Biff, is with us on the podcast today. He said he's not going to talk much, but, uh, you know, we hope he does. Uh, as we get this through. And, and, you know, no pressure for a young man like yourself, Cliff, than to have your dad watching you do the podcast. Right, I know. He hasn't listened to a single episode yet, so I feel... Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, it's cool. I'm glad he... I, I was thinking about, you know, we should just invite people, just rant, just other people next time. Just have a big crowd of 18 people or something listening to us. Or oh, and then go. do trivia. Uh, like, show trivia. Have you listened to yeah. the show? Right. You would have listened. You would have known this question. Yes. <laughs> it, well, so, uh, Coach... Uh, if you have listened, what was the name of our last podcast? Who was our... Well, uh, I don't remember. I'm old. <laughs> Simple <laughs> excuse. That's... About being old. Uh, well, yeah, tell us, uh, you know, being old, you're semi-retired, right? Uh, you're COVID quarantined. Uh, <laughs> we're all doing this on Zoom this time. Uh, special edition of the Brackish Podcast. And so what's it like for you? You say you Miserable. can't work out, right? Miserable. I've done everything in my house. I've washed the house, cleaned the windows, cleaned the garage, painted my mailbox. I don't have it. Cut the grass three times a week. Nothing else to do. You cut it three times a week? Just to get outside. That's excessive. Just to ride around on my zero radius. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week uh, you're you're kind of doing a uh, a sequel or maybe even a prequel to one before. What's this story about this week? All right. So the previous, I think it was episode thirteen, uh, was who killed a chief, and that was who about yeah, that was about uh, David Hennessy Jr. and he was if. If you didn't listen to it, he was a police chief in New Orleans. Uh, he was involved somewhat in organized crime, kind of working with families. Uh, he was going to oust one of the families, and then he got murdered outside of his home, which led to the largest mass lynching in United States history. So that was 11 Italians at a prison, at Orleans Parish Prison, excuse me. So it was like so, Elliot Ness was murdered in new orleans pretty much and uh that's what happened yeah just 
Freaking. So we're going to learn about New Orleans version of Elliot Ness. His Isn't Elliot Ness in that Will Smith song? A stink that's untouchable like Elliot Ness. That's not Will Smith. What is it? I thought that was Wild Wild West. Oh, Lord. Oh, I don't. What is it? No. So joining us now is Len's husband. Yes. Who decided to, he decided to drop in and then bounce out. Mr. Lynn was in. Uh, Mr. Lynn. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Lynn just decided to stop by. Mm -hmm. He's known for his fresh rap lyrics. And that was Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre said Elliot Ness, not. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> How do you confuse Will Smith and Dr. Dre? I mean, that's Dr. Dre must be very upset about that. Yeah. You're right. But back to uh, Mr. Hennessy Jr. or Senior, right? Right. So that was Hennessy Jr. was the one who was killed outside of his front yard that led to the mass lynching. This is about. So I was when I was researching David Jr. The story about his dad came up, and I was like, man, I could do a whole story about this guy. So David Hennessy Senior. I'm not going to call him Senior because I'm. That's just too many words coming out of my mouth every time I say David Hennessy. So I'm just going to call him David or David Senior. So, Dad, they showed up here. They were from Ireland, Ireland Irish immigrants. Um, they arrived in New Orleans in the late 1840s. Uh, him and his first wife, uh, after they got here for a couple of years, uh, the wife, the first wife, died of yellow fever. So another boat came in from Ireland. And I, I'm assuming, I guess Dave was waiting on the dock saying, who, which lucky lady I'm going to get next. And uh, <laughs> he met a woman named Margaret Finn, and they got married uh, sometime in 1854 at St. Patrick's Church on Camp Street. And um, son David Jr. was born. And at this time, the Civil War was fixing to start and David's brother was still, David's brother Michael was still in Ireland at the time. And I guess he was trying to get away, ha have a way to get his brother on the boat and get him to New Orleans. So David's brother Michael made it to New Orleans about when the uh, Civil War was ramping up. So when Michael came to New Orleans, David and Michael went and basically went to work. And at that time, Irish immigrants were helping dig canals, uh, roads, railroads, all sorts of infrastructure around New Orleans. And one day, the Hennessy brothers, they were like, we're tired of working hard for nothing. Uh, we need to get some sort of pay. So we're going to become soldiers. But at that time, many, many immigrants felt little allegiance to the confederacy so they were like we're gonna go fight for the union and that's what they did and they went away for i guess for four years four or five years and uh michael actually died in battle during the war so thanks david get your brother to come here and uh and he gets killed in battle that's cool so he was living in louisiana and he's like i don't even want to fight for y'all i want to go fight for the north right yeah I don't even know people did that. Okay. And he yeah, took his I looked brother it up. Yeah, so there was about 5,000 men from Louisiana that fought for the Union, which is crazy. Yeah, so, um, so he fought with the 1st Louisiana Cavalry Regiment of the United States Army, 
And that, this is where it gets good because this is like a list of events where Hennessy's just in trouble with the law and even though he becomes a police officer. After the Civil War, David is a defendant in a trial where he's accused of perjury. United States, this is federal court. United States versus David Hennessy. The prosecution's story was that when David's brother, Michael, was killed, David declared that he was the only living relative, despite the fact that Michael had a wife of 15 years and a son, Michael Jr. So he was basically, David was getting the benefits from, from the army. He was getting the money. Yeah. Oh. So, so even, oh. he was not being a nice guy. Wife and son no. in the U.S. or were they still in Ireland? It doesn't say where Michael's wife and son are at the time. They could be in New Orleans. They could be in Ireland. Okay. So he was basically taking the money and didn't tell him. Which Stealing. Is Stealing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even though we find this recurring story in the 1800s with the court system in New Orleans. Even though there was a ton of evidence against him, he was able to walk free. <laughs> yeah. He was able to walk free because I guess his lawyer got a bunch of witnesses uh, from his military days to come into the courtroom and tell the jury about David's battlefield bravery. What an upstanding guy he was. Yeah. Like, even though he did that, he was doing this to help his family out and, and whatever. Blah, blah, blah. So it's okay that he stole from his sister-in-law and nephew because he was a good guy. Right, exactly. So right. after that, okay. what does David do in the lovely city of New Orleans? He takes a job in law enforcement, obviously. Yes. So he's on the force for like, this is March of 1866. He's on the force for like three months. But all of a sudden, David's name pops up in a story involving a couple of policemen and a murder. So we're going, the date's March 9th, 1866. There's a place called Sam's Saloon on 101 St. Charles Street. And if you don't know, or St. Charles at, Street at the time, I'm sure. But uh, it's at the corner of Canal and St. Charles, which is now a Starbucks. So... <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. I'm like, God, what? What? How cheesy is that in history? Like, there's this cool saloon where everybody gets to party, and now it's a Starbucks with terrible coffee. Who cares? So, this guy named John Fred Gruber gets stabbed at that saloon and dies the next night. Before this guy died, he provided names of the guys who assaulted him. And David Hennessy's name was one of those guys that he brought up and he, with three other guys. So it was David Hennessy and three other men. Yeah. This dude seems like a straight-up street badass. Yeah, but in David? order to yeah, yeah, in order to cover yourself, you become a police officer. That way you can do whatever you want, basically. Right, and get away with it. Yeah. So speaking of getting away with it, there was a trial for this murder and... They came back with a not guilty verdict for all four of the guys. Imagine. How convenient. Yeah. How convenient. So David Hennessy's little, I guess, I don't know what you'd call it. It just, it didn't phase him because he just kept doing His other stuff. Indiscretion. Right. Indiscretion. Yep. Good word for that. 
So in October of 1867, he got into a bit. He got into a bit of trouble, and he was called uh, to to meet the, with the police board because he was facing charges of dereliction of duty and, and false imprisonment. So, false imprisonment. Like he kept someone in jail. Right. Or he, he or he may have. Jail? Yeah, either that or he like may have kept this dude in his back shed or something. There was no evidence for that. So basically they could only try to charge him uh, because he was supposed to be patrolling the streets in New Orleans and he was somewhere else. That's the only thing they could get him with. So he was basically Locking doing people up in his shed. Yeah. So after they, even uh, whoever brought it against him couldn't uh, come up with enough evidence. So the board dismissed the charges. There again, you have a guy who's done something. They don't have enough evidence against him, so he's let free to go. So at this point, he's probably thinking, I can do whatever the hell I want, you know? Yeah, because he's gotten away with it so far. Right. So 1868's a really fun year for David. Uh, April 7th, 1868, he went on trial for charges of illegally arresting a black man. And that basically... Uh, I think he was, they dismissed the charges and let everyone go free. Uh, August 24th of 1868, he was arrested for assault and battery in, a, in an incident that happened, um, I assume this was outside of some, I guess you call it, a, not a Capitol building, but they were, they were voting on a bill. Basically politicians mm -hmm. were voting on a bill somewhere. And so he was arrested for assault and battery because he went into a bathroom and basically try, tried to bribe one of the politicians uh, to pass a bill. And when it, when the politician refused, they got in a fight. In the so, bathroom? In the bathroom, yeah. So obviously when they um, questioned both the politician and David Hennessy, the two stories were different, all right? So uh, this dude's a cop. Yeah, he's a cop, yeah, right. So. <laughs> Yeah. I could see this playing out in modern New Orleans culture too. Right. Hell yeah. Like I hear that and I'm like, yeah, 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 that could happen. So Hennessy's recollection was that he asked this guy about a bill concern concerning police and police pay. And the politician, according to Hennessy, the politician flicked Hennessy in the nose and said, You're a rat. Get, a, get out of my face. So when Hennessy got flicked in the nose, he basically punched this guy in the face, beat him up in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, but the politician's version is that Hennessy attempted to bribe him for to, to vote uh, to vote for the bill with a thousand dollars. And when the politician refused the bribe, that's when they fought in the battle. Well, David Hennessy should have come correct. Who's walking in with a thousand dollar bribe? I know, right? Well, it was eighteen fifty. I mean, that's or eighteen sixty eight. That's a lot of yeah. That's a lot, a lot of, of cheese. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, obviously not enough. Right. So right. we're still we're still in eighteen sixty eight. December sixteenth, he and another officer they arrested three guys who were using a house as a base of operations. So these thieves were, they broke into an abandoned house and were using it as uh, their base camp. Um, 
So a lot of the thieves stuff was confiscated and never found. So we assume that the policemen probably took it and used it for their own, you know, either for themselves or they sold, sold it somewhere else. Um, after that, on the midnight of Christmas Eve, uh, David Hennessy awoke to his house on fire. And he was able to extinguish it enough to where the fire department wasn't alerted. So basically he got to it in time to where he didn't have to explain, you know, why is your house on fire? And then there's a, an investigation and all that stuff. Someone burned his house down for revenge. Right. They were thinking that one of the thieves, uh, since he stole, they stole his stuff. They couldn't find it. They, they went, they knew who it was. They went to his house and tried to burn it, tried to kill him. What? So the, you got a police officer that's in a lot of sketchy business, doing a lot of sketchy things as an officer. And, uh, and that's where we'll take the first break. Ooh. And coming up, we will talk about a guy who he was in a quarrel with. going in there at night but mm-hmm. anyway so i go in there it's pitch black and i'm going like through this person's dining room into the kitchen during your apocalyptic huh? dream this is my post pop yeah my dream so i'm in this person's kitchen i'm trying to find food and i get what i can and i walk out but i thought to myself man i saw uh i saw a couple bottles of liquor i should probably go grab those right right and not just for drinking, though. See, if you get a cut in the post-apocalyptic era, you may need alcohol for a wound. You know what I mean? So I was like, let me go back and grab that. So I go through the dining room again, and I go to the kitchen, grab the liquor. And as I'm walking through the dining room, I shit you not, I felt like it felt like a real human grabbed my arm. Like someone sitting at the dining room table went, whoo, and stopped me. And Mrs. Biff says... Cliff, what are you doing? I said, I don't know what she did. You just screamed. I, like, I went like, I went, ah! And she said she was kind of already awake, so it didn't really fade, but she was just wondering what the heck was happening. And she said she was kind of awake already because my body was kind of moving, like already in the dream. So I feel like I was... <laughs> so the, the Night King touched you. I don't know. Dude, it was... Wow. Oh, dude. It, when, when something like that happens to where I wake up, it felt way too real. I was just like, holy shit. You know what? From all your stories, I believe all of them always come back to two things. Either boners or Game <laughs> of Thrones. So I feel like that one went into Game of Thrones very well. So thanks. Did. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. yeah. So that's my uh, quick... Uh, Break story because that, yeah, that's pretty I mean, that freaked me pretty out. Freaky. I bet I you a lot of people that a boner in a post-apocalyptic world would be kind of weird. <laughs> so now we're going to create a show about boners in post-apocalyptic worlds. want to get back into the quarrels.
All right. So where I left you, where I, where we left off was um, the story of David Hennessy. I was going through his. Uh, what what did Lynn describe it as? Dang it! Started with a D. Yeah, his discretions. Discretions. I call it indiscretions. I call it his rap sheet. There you go. Yeah, he just had this list going. And remember, he's in his mid thirties at this time. He is. So. Instead of him making his own shit list, he's making a shit list of people who he's getting on their shit list for sure. Oh. So now in the story comes a man by the name of Arthur Guerin. Okay. And this guy, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about him before we get into it, what happened between him and David Hennessy. So Arthur Guerin's about 40 years old and he first made a name for himself uh, in the political uprisings in the 1850s. So I'm assuming that he was the muscle for some people, you know, made people make some decisions, offers they can't, uh, offers they can't refuse. Yes. So, um, basically, this guy had a bad reputation as a killer, and he was feared around New Orleans. So, and the only good thing that could be said of this guy was he was a son who loved his mama, and he was sometimes nice to his friends. That was it. <laughs> this is the guy that David Hennessy is about to brawl with. Right. So basically, most of the time, he, was, he acted like he was in the fraternity Delta Iota Kappa. And if you didn't get that, he, that means like he was it. a dick. Delta Iota Kappa. All right. So <laughs> we, fa we fast forward to February 26, 1869. Three shots ring out in a coffee shop called the 8th District Court coffee house and it was called that because i think at the time there were seven district courts in new orleans this is just a clever name for a coffee house and the coffee house was close to a courthouse obviously and then uh, a bunch of lawyers offices so a lot of lawyers judges um there were people who hung out here i'm assuming deputies too Every, anybody who's dealing with court hung out at this coffee house okay so three shots rang out and people what happened was when the crowd dispersed they found David Hennessy on the floor still awake but he had three gunshot wounds okay Jeez. and there was a doctor already somehow there was a doctor in the area somebody alerted him he came there came to the 8th district court coffee house and started um, started to expose his chest and there were people around so they basically like made this just told people to get back and they basically exposed this guy's chest in the coffee house so this doctor could see what was going on. Um, and while that was happening, uh, another guy came in a city corner and started doing an investigation, started questioning people, what happened, you know, who, there's, this guy's got three gunshot wounds, somebody had to see something. The city corner starts emptying out David's pockets as he's dying on the floor. He was carrying a pistol in each front pocket he also had a pocket knife. He had a pistol in his back, like lower back waistband. And uh, <clears throat> so that's what they found when he was laying on his back. Uh, um, and what they did from that point, they took all that stuff in his pockets. And at that time they didn't have, well, not at the time, but right when it happened, they had nothing to move him because they wanted to get him out of the way of all these people. So they took a door off. Is he still off alive? 
Um, at this point, I think he's close to dead because they were trying to get the body out so they didn't, people weren't looking at him. Uh-huh. So they, they're, the only thing they could find, they took a door off the hinges and they basically put him on the door and brought him into the courtyard uh-huh. of that saloon so they could get him out of the way of the public. Um, so what the doctor found was two fatal wounds, uh, two wounds, one heart wound and one to the side, side of his body that tore out his intestines. Mm-hmm. And when the doctor was doing his autopsy, they also, uh, when they opened his chest, they said his lungs were just full consumption. So he had tuberculosis. So he was a dying man anyway and didn't even know it. What? It crazy, right. An all police officer comes in named Sergeant Malone, and he starts searching the coffee house trying to find uh, any evidence. And he winds up finding a revolver behind uh, the coffee house safe. So soon after that, um, Arthur Guerin was arrested. So at this time, Arthur Guerin gets arrested. um, And then the barkeep at, or the bartender at this place got arrested too, because he was a witness. And they said at the time uh, that was, practice at the time if you were a witness to a murder you were arrested it was you weren't like charged with anything but they i guess it's just to bring you to the police station so you can mm-hmm. give your statement uh, <clears throat> so these two men the next day they testified that they were in the coffee house with garen and hennessy they saw garen and hennessy having a friendly conversation and and then garen and hennessy invited the, well, I think Garen invited these two guys over, like, hey, come drink with us. You know? mm-hmm. And so everything was friendly at that point. And then they ordered another round of drinks, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 three shots right after the drinks were ordered. And these mm-hmm. two guys testified that Hennessy dropped to the ground and said, what did you do that for? Looking at Garen. And the two witnesses said that they saw Garen pull a revolver out of his pocket, shoot Hennessy, and then place that pistol behind the safe. So that's why Garen was arrested. And this is the best, this is one of the badass parts about David Hennessy. One of the coroner's office guys said, in lieu of the two, the three, two guns in the pocket, one in the back waistband and his pocket knife, he also carried a sword cane. Oh, wow. Oh my God. How cool is that, dude? So this dude was equipped. Well, in addition, he also had a sword game. He also carried tuberculosis in his lungs. <laughs> yes, so he, he was did. a biochemical yeah. weapon just being around other people. Right. So I, so I think I'm going to start carrying a sword cane around because that just sounds awesome. What what I think is amazing is you just George R. R. Martin dust and you killed our main character in the middle of our I did. Yeah, wow. So before we go to the next break, okay. I'm just gonna tell you so Arthur Guerin was suspected of many murders uh at the during his life. He was arrested three times. He was arrested first for Suspicion, suspicion of killing a Greek sailor on Victory Street. Then in 1868, uh, Garen was arrested in suspicion of killing another guy in the French market. So now in 1869, he's 
arrested for suspicion of murder of David Hennessy. And that's where we'll take a break. And after the break, we will talk about um, basically Arthur Guerin before the trial, the trial, and we'll end the story. Ooh. Sweet. This, so this author was a more badass guy than David Hennessy? Apparently, it's just like two Irishmen that couldn't be on the same street at the same time. It's kind of what oh, I was reading okay. into it. Like two, two alpha dogs, and one didn't like the other. Both had attitudes. Both were just, you know, just they couldn't stand that the other one was right there. It sounds like he was almost just for hire sort of situation, like muscle, you know, if you need something done. Yeah. So, well, I think that the health department hired him. And to kill him, like, hey man, this guy just <laughs> go breathe in his face. Yeah, really, like you're a bad shot of tuberculosis yeah. again. Yes, <laughs> this guy needs to keep his social distance, um, and you just need to take him out before he takes out everyone else here in the French Quarter. Because we're on Zoom, because of social distancing, we are all at each other's houses, each our yeah. own houses, right? On right. our porches or in our backyards. Or yeah. Cliff, where are you? I am on a boat in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. They closed every border on Louisiana, so the only place I could go was south. I needed to get away. You're on a boat? Yeah. Just went sailing. Just. And right now, it looks like we're in Coach's uh, kitchen. Right. Okay. In the good. Pearl. We don't have a curfew in the Pearl. <laughs> That's true. Slidell has a curfew, 11 to 5. And then New Orleans, did you hear our, our suggested curfew of 9 p.m.? Oh, I like, I like that. how we still have a suggested curfew. Yeah, it's not, he said he's not going to enforce it, but he suggests that everyone be inside by 9 p.m. I'm really interested to hear about this new guy who took down someone who was so well-known and young. That's what I'm excited about. Very much like Tiger King, where I thought I met one crazy person, but I haven't yet. I just didn't know what crazy was yet. Like David wow. Hennessy, I feel like I know him. I know what to expect. I know the legacy. But this new guy, I'm like, Where, where'd you come from? <laughs> That's what I'm excited about. Yeah, Arthur just came in and bitch slapped everyone, pretty much. All right, so now you understand why my, my background is a is a saloon, basically, or a bar, because you had the David Hennessy mm -hmm. was involved in a who was acquitted of murder in a saloon, and then he was subsequently murdered at a coffee house that served drinks. So previously, um, there's three shots that happened in a coffee shop. Uh, the witnesses say Garen shot him and then put the pistol revolver behind the safe, which is, which that goes with the officers or the sergeant's story that he found a 
revolver behind the safe. So that once he found that, they found Garen on Royal Street and they arrested him. And he didn't fight it. He was just like, I'm going to go in, you know, whatever. And I think it was him. Garen did it. He called the two guys over. We talked about this at the end. I think he called the two guys over to sh- shadow to, so people couldn't see him shoot Hennessy. Because they were just talking by themselves. And then they're like, hey, two guys, come over here and, and party with us. And then when they order drinks, everybody's looking the other way. Boom, boom, boom. And Hennessy's on the ground. So now we get to March 2nd. That all happened, I think, February 26th. 1869 and now Garen's in jail it's March 2nd somehow in this lovely utopia of New Orleans a reporter is allowed to go into the jail and uh, interview Garen uh, without a lawyer and before the trial happens (laughs) it makes no sense so she go or the reporter goes to Orleans Paris prison and for some reason gets to interview this guy and this guy and Garen gets to talk about the case before his trial, which just seems just stupid and absurd. So Garen basically told this reporter, he's like, I'm pretty confident that the jury's going to find me uh, innocent. The trial goes on <clears throat> and the reporter says, why? And he says, well, because I feared for my life from Hennessy. Um, and he said, I can produce multiple witnesses that say that Hennessy's been making death threats against me. So I'm going to give you Arthur Guerin's recollection of the day of the murder. Guerin says he was on Orleans Street and Hennessy has two guys with him. Hennessy walks up to Guerin and says, why are you looking at me? And Guerin says, well, I have the right to look at anyone. Like I said, and I'm telling you this before, just it's, Two hotheads, okay? <laughs> no. I just and, want the accent. That's what yeah, I want. No, I can't. I wish I could do the Irish. Why are you looking at me? Yeah. In your head, just think of two Conor McGregors. Just <laughs> battling back and forth. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Uh, so, yeah, Garen said he had the right to look at anyone. And Hennessy says, I ain't afraid of no man on earth. And at this point, one of Garen's guys was like, all right, let's, let's break up this thing. Let's go have a drink somewhere. That's you know? definitely a time as a guy when you know how to break, like, all right, I, don't, I ain't afraid of nobody on this earth. Like, okay, man, we should stop. Yeah, yeah. He's like, let's, <laughs> yeah, let's calm it down. Let's go have a drink somewhere. Let's talk to out. Get this. Yeah. Let's stop this. So, again, this is Garen's recollection. Um, so they found a place to drink close. Garen and Hennessy had a couple drinks, shook hands, and then Garen said, told Hennessy, look, I got some business to take care of. I'm gonna leave. And Hennessy followed him out to the alley and said, no, 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 don't leave. I think we should go to another place and drink. And the place that uh, Hennessy suggested was too far. So Garen said, well, let's just go to the 8th District Court Coffee House. It's right there. We'll, have, we'll go get drinks there. So they go get drinks there. That's when um, the two guys with Hennessy go up to, or somebody ordered drinks, they come back, it's a group of four. And then uh, that's when Garen says, Hennessy reached into his pocket and said, I've got you right now where I want you. I've got you now just where I want you. And that's when Garen shot Hennessy in fear of his life. 
So that's Garen's recollection is Hennessy threatened him. I've got you right now where I want you. Saw Hennessy uh, go for his pocket and Garen shot him three times. Dang. So what Garen's saying is to that is he's saying that along with that, the reason he shot him is because of the threats that Hennessy has been making against him for more than a month. <clears throat> and the fact that Hennessy was so well armed that Garen thought he was going to get shot. And if you think about it with Hennessy having the three guns and a pocket knife and a sword cane just on a regular day, uh, <laughs> that was Garen's story. And now the trial took place on July 2nd, 1869. So that was March 2nd that Garen talked to the reporter. It's now July 2nd. Uh, it's a crowded courtroom. People wanted to see what was going on. Uh, the two guys who gave their testimony said basically the same thing. Um, and I wish I had an Irish accent because the witnesses said, this is what Hennessy said. Uh, Every son of a bitch should know me. I'm Dave Hennessy. I was arrested on the charge of killing Fred Gruber. I'm an Irishman. I don't care for nobody. So that was one of the testimonies in the courtroom. Garen's basically said he thought that when Hennessy said that it was directed towards him. And that's when he became like fearful for his life. Uh, but the bartender basically said that Hennessy and Garen didn't argue at all. Uh, Hennessy didn't make any violent moves towards him, but he does remember, the bartender remembered Hennessy having this attitude and reaching into his pockets at multiple times. Not pulling anything out, but like maybe hothead, maybe I've got guns in my pocket, I can do whatever I want sort of arrogance. Um, this is the fun part. After both defense prosecution rests at 5.50 p.m. That's when the, everybody rested. The jury came back at 5.55, five minutes. Uh, and they came back with a not guilty verdict against Arthur. David must have been the hottest of heads like ever. Like, and they must have had a lot of people come in and be like, hey, this dude was the worst and he could kill you and he might. I mean, I guess the, the jury took it as this guy was fearing for his life and he shouldn't be charged with murder. Five minutes. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty quick. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think it takes two or three to get into the room to deliberate. Yes, I would say, yeah, probably like <laughs> at least just one like, minute to get there, one minute to get back. They like walk in, they go, <laughs> not guilty, not guilty, I run back up. Yeah, so that's the end of the trial. Uh, months later, uh, David Hennessy Sr.'s old uh, cavalry uh, commander took over the Metropolitan Police, and that's where David Hennessy Jr. comes in uh, because the commander basically said he felt bad for the Hennessy family because they weren't making any money, so he gave a job to David Hennessy Jr. Uh, to be in the police force as a messenger boy. Uh, to basically go on the streets and figure out where any illegal activities going. On. Yeah, it was a little bird. I remember you yeah, told us that. Bird. Yeah, right. So oh, that's the end of David Hennessy. But I'm going to tell you real quick about Arthur Guerin after this. So, you know, he's acquitted. He's out. He's out on the streets. Right. So he continues to get arrested all the time. He continues to get in shootouts. 
And uh, again, like I was saying, an, a hothead, he just, he thinks he's above the law. And one day he was shot after interfering in a courtroom case. So Garen basically bursted into this courtroom where a trial was going on. And I assume it was something that somebody he knew or something. And he starts talking loudly to this stranger who's sitting in the, what do you call it in a courtroom? Is that the audience? The Just like the regular seating, not the jury. The pews of the court. Yeah. yeah. Um, the benches, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. He starts talking loudly to the stranger and these, these deputies are like, or the judge is basically saying, shut up or get out of my courtroom. So he refuses to shut up and he's escorted out. Now he's escorted out by three deputies, one on each arm, and then there's a deputy behind him. So when they get out of the courtroom, Garen escapes the grasp of the two deputies and started reaching behind his back like he was reaching for a gun. And the third deputy that was following, boom, boom, put two shots in the courthouse. In well, outside of the court, yeah, in the courthouse. Oh my god! So this is and this is the best kicker of all you know all these court cases. Uh, of course, the deputy gets charged with murder. Uh, Garen dies as a result of those wounds, so he's charged with murder, and they had a trial, and the deputy was acquitted of all charges. So, <laughs> does Garen have a gun on him? Um, it didn't say, but he's yeah. in the courthouse. So, but I think he would be patted down, right? Or I don't know how courthouses were back then. No, I think he did have a gun on him, but uh, they don't know where on his body. I mean, he could have been reaching back to itch his back. I mean, who knows? He may have a strong itch on his lower back. You know? <laughs> but probably a guy like not the more time, than not the place. Right, and I mean, did you you go into the courthouse? It was like he was looking for trouble. Right. So I can't, I don't feel bad for the guy. He was an ass. Mm -mm. And also hitman for hire. Right. So in conclusion, this is, so Garen, everybody in the story is dead. That's cool. Uh, By by 1869, they're all dead. They're like all 30. It's crazy. Uh, But in the Hennessy family, it's, it just didn't bode well for these guys. So, David Hennessy's brother died early in the battle, Civil War. Um, David Hennessy's brother's son, so Hennessy's nephew, uh, died of an early death. They don't know. It was a mysterious circumstance. That's all I could find. It's crazy to me that this story, um, this guy is not, he's not famous. He's not the founding father of voodoo. He's not the town executioner. He's... Mm -hmm. a regular guy and and for i mean if you walk around with three guns and two knives i just i, I just wonder what life was back then to be that freaking paranoid that you got to walk around with that much heat on you all the time uh, it's nuts i'm just glad i am not uh living then you know i'm just living now in my quarantine life you know i don't know a cane sword sounds pretty sweet let me tell you, we're just, uh, we're one uh, power outage away from uh, cat chewing power lines for energy to being put back in the 1850s. 
<laughs> Get your guns and your sword canes ready, because. <laughs> or well, remember that guy who was uh, stealing the copper, and he like uh, stopped everyone from getting their power for like a week over in the mm-hmm. CBD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just one homeless man away from stealing copper. It's coming, guys. Yeah. Look, I had a nightmare. Don't even fucking say that. <laughs> I agree. Can my, I? my nightmare, dude. It's a foreshadowing. I just. Uh, I have a nine-year-old at home. By like, he's an only child at this point in the house. It's, it's a little rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Uh, I was talking to uh, Cliff about that earlier. I'm just glad I don't have children right now. Uh, but I do want to talk to Coach really quick. You've been married to your wife for how long? 36 years. 36 years. Okay, so 36 years. Are you now rediscovering your wife and what she likes? And <laughs> y'all kind of like each other. I think that's a really weird question. No, no, no. We, it's, it's not. I've been retired for eight years, so. That's right. You know, it, this is just uh, an extension of the retirement, except we're a little more confined nowadays. That's all. Well, it looks like my uh, the pizza guy's here for me, so <laughs> I, have to, I have to call it quits. What do you do? Do nice. you throw in the money from there, or what? Are you paid for it already? Yeah, I, yeah, we paid for it already. We don't. Oh, we don't okay. Did he bring uh, drinks too? Yeah, it looks like he's got a Pepsi. Something. Do you, do you wipe them all down now? I think so. I think that's how you got to do it. And he just leaves it. Yeah. The what pizza guy he comes, and then he Thank just. Thank you, pizza leaves. guy. Thank you. Appreciate it. No, I really want pizza. It was. Uh, I know, huh? We're supposed to grill burgers tonight. Ooh, very good, very good. All right. Well, Mrs. Knock is coming to get the pizza. So. Where can you find us? Oh, everywhere. Uh, on Instagram, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Gmail, thebraggishpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Did I say that already? Twitter, uh, Google Play, Radio.com iTunes. iTunes and Spotify. I think that's all. And, and we may or may not be going Facebook Live for the next episode. Oh, that is true. Yes. Uh, we're going to promote this Facebook Live Tuesday night. We don't know what's Tuesday. Uh, and we're going to bring the next story. We're going to have three stories. One from each of us. Cliff, Knock, and Lynn are going to bring their own spice and flavor. And we're going to sit down and uh, social distance and still give uh, a great podcast but live live as live can, can be where you can add your two cents yes oh, give yes. the people what they want give the people what they want you know what i think it'll be a good break uh for people to stop they can stream us instead of netflix hulu amazon all that. yes that take a be- break <laughs> move from one screen to your computer ipad screen all right we will see you next tuesday i'm just leaving because i gotta gotta pee i really just gotta go pee (laughs) (laughs) all right this has been fun this has been fun thanks Thanks, coach for coming all right right. nice to see you bye bye y'all